Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode, and it's Steelers Week here. Uh, joining me, one of the really great Steelers resources that I know, Sigmund Bloom of footballguys.com. Uh, he's at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter. Sigmund, how you doing? Good. And, you know, this is a uh, quite a time for the Steelers and Ravens to have this matchup. Uh, I think it, uh, the Steelers are trying to get off, off the deck and they still have some designs of at the very least not saddling Mike Tomlin with his first losing season and maybe even making a push to sneak into the playoffs like they did last year when they beat Tyler Huntley. So I, I think that, you know, they want to have a deja vu, but you can already hear Mike Tomlin getting into the psychological warfare saying, we know Tyler Huntley's going to be better than he was last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a little bit of shade, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, uh Boy, you know, it's obviously Ravens fans going through some serious deja vu right now uh, yeah. in terms of the position, in terms of missing your left tackle, 
and missing your quarterback at the same time, it's not a good place to be. Uh, but before we get into all the stuff and we're going to, yeah. we're going to dig deep on this. I got a, got a shout out to our sponsor right now. That's liquid death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Thanks. Please give their try, their product a try. They've been very good to us. So Sigmund, lots of big off season activity for the Steelers. And I want to get into that. Uh, probably the biggest one is the, the transition to Kenny Pickett. Right. Yeah. And as a Steelers fan, not so much as a Steelers resource, uh, you know, gives me a little bit of heartburn because we like to call it quarterback purgatory. And when an organization gets stuck in quarterback purgatory, then they use years up, uh, sometimes years when really good players are on rookie contracts and so on to try to get a team to a level that it just can't get to with that quarterback, right? It's a quarterback-driven league. And Kenny Pickett and the decision to take him at the number 20 pick is one that, with the Steelers winning as of late, it might not be scrutinized as much because the Steelers earlier this year were on track for a top-five pick. And now when you're weighing, well, are we really going to already veer away from this first-round pick, Kenny Pickett, uh, the hometown, at least playing his college football in at Pitt, that very unique situation where the two teams share a building. So there's a lot of familiarity. It's very unique. And in some ways, you would think it would give them the opportunity to know a lot of the intangibles, leadership, those kinds of things, how he goes about his business. Uh, but at the same time, I think it shows maybe a lack of imagination or a lack of aspiration because Kenny Pickett is a, a limited quarterback, uh, but he is a quarterback that elevated the, that pit program. So Ken, what I wonder is if the Steelers hadn't taken Kenny Pickett, would he have even been a first round pick? Cause we saw all of the other quarterbacks mm -hmm. fall a lot farther than expected. And was this whole class overrated with the exception of the Steelers board? But I think it, it, it sets in motion because this is a very conservative organization. I don't think you're going to see them, go away from Kenny Pickett until he demonstrably fails repeatedly. And so you're right. It is the biggest move. And it's one I think that can keep them competitive, but in a league with Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, when you think about that matchup, it's going to leave them at a disadvantage. Right. So that I, I can I certainly understand that. And, and I think you're right that, that this was not a great quarterback class. I think that was generally accepted. When you're talking about is Malik Willis going to somehow be taken in the top 10 just because quarterback, you know, leveraged valuations are so high, you're really talking about a weak quarterback class. And then, of course, he went, I think, at a reasonable, very reasonable price to the Titans. They may end up very, being very happy with that pick. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you're just 20 is not a good place to be drafting if you're if you want a quarterback, is it? No, and what's funny about that is in hindsight, um, people, very smart football people that I knew wouldn't have been shocked if, or going into the draft, they wouldn't have been shocked if Willis went even as high as the Lions pick. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that it matches what we're seeing, Ken, which is athleticism, mobility, uh, ability to make plays outside of structure. That's what the league is emphasizing more as opposed to the classic tall sturdy pocket passer but like you said willis fell to a very reasonable price and i think that also affects the urgency to develop a quarterback and get him on the field so you know there are quarterbacks ken that went in the first round and failed that if they would have went in the second or third round and had a chance to develop uh in the incubator 
instead of in the line of fire, would the, the story of their career be different? You know, if Zach Wilson was a quarterback that went in the second or third round, would his career arc maybe have changed instead of having the expectations of a first round pick? But either way, the Steelers are probably stuck with Kenny Pickett. And while he's showing some incremental improvement, well, the other problem here, Ken, not to turn this into like a neurotic Steelers rant, is the, the Steelers have it, don't have the structure and coaching or offensive line around him to set him up for success at this early juncture. Uh, but I think all those things go out the window, of course, when the Steelers play the Ravens. That that game is about a lot more than where the teams are headed. Uh, you know, it's usually a game that is a war. Yeah, it, it certainly has been. And I hope this rivalry will stay the kind of storied rivalry it has been. I mean, there is the the fear it's not. The Ravens hadn't, haven't done well against the Steelers recently. The Steelers haven't seen Lamar Jackson very much recently in right. terms of the games they've played. So there's been some things. The last time we talked, I think the Steelers were 10-0, about to go 11-0 against the Ravens, or it was, <laughs> yeah. it was approximately there. And, and there was discussion right. about, you know, what's the chance of the Steelers finishing off the season undefeated? And then those cracks began to show, and they had the playoff defeat to the Browns, right, to the Browns, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a, uh, uh, you know, difficult time. Well, the Ravens were in exactly that position last year, of course, leading the AFC. And we had no illusions that they were really the best team in the AFC at that point. There were all kinds of miraculous elements have mm-hmm. gone into that but we also weren't expecting a six game losing streak um right it sapped this uh this fan base a lot and ended up with that uh you know frankly losing record that uh that they were in the game so uh, tyler huntley for us needs to win some games and he did you know this last week we came back with a good drive but to to be um you know anything that anybody else should fear he's he's got to win some ball games um and not just have the ravens compete and be close yeah, and I think what's, you know, turns around the chairs and really serves something up to you as a, not just, a, of course, a Steelers fan or someone very interested in the Steelers, but all 32 teams in the NFL. Um, what I'm finding really interesting, Ken, is just this week, it feels like there's a change in the tenor. I know when Tyler Huntley was at least statistically playing well, you heard some chatter, maybe uninformed chatter saying, well, Tyler Huntley's on a rookie contract and Lamar Jackson's going to have to be paid at the top huh. of the market. And everybody just dismissed that and said, come on, watch them play. The difference is massive. But I'm hearing more in the just the last few days, Ken, that, well, maybe there is a crossroads for the Ravens organization and Lamar Jackson. Uh, and if there was going to be a deal, it should have been done already. What is your feeling from a more central place in the Ravens hive mind about the is there a non-zero chance that Lamar Jackson is playing for another team in a, a year or two or maybe next year yeah not non-zero chance for sure um I think the Ravens are going to take a very practical approach to it um Tyler Huntley is not the answer long term at quarterback for this team so it'd be a right. case of of can you trade Lamar for what could you get in terms of say a return and I'm just going to put it in the simplest capital that people understand is JJ points Right. If you can get 5,000 or 4,500 JJ points in return for Lamar Jackson and then involves a top five pick where you take a chance on your new quarterback, there's a lot to be said for that as opposed to paying market value for the position, which is going to be enormous. And I just I, I can understand why it might happen under those circumstances. I, I don't want it to happen. I think having Lamar Jackson is a is a um, a secret multiplier secret force yes. multiplier you know in yes. terms of how how the grading groups have never really understood and how to how to evaluate the value he adds to all the other players on the field 
and I think that yeah. I like to think football teams are families and uh, Lamar Jackson, I think is, you know, one of the leaders of the family in a way that we don't necessarily see it's out of view for us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you're really talking about rebuilding the team, not just in terms of the quarterback position, but just in terms, I, I think he's the player whose energy they're feeding off of at this point. He's the, the fierce competitor in the same way that Ray Lewis was. And I just think that, like you said, there's non-quantifiable ways that the money or salary cap picture with them that you, you just can't replace uh, with having extra money for free agency. Yeah. No, I, I, I would completely agree with that as a, as a thought. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a difficult off season because the Ravens will have to make sacrifices. Some players are going to have to probably be let go. Calais Campbell would be an example of a good player, but let's get back to the Steelers yeah. here. I want to yeah. talk about their draft a little bit because mm-hmm. in particular, the second round pick, as we're doing our draft show live, uh, Pickens was the player everybody wanted at 45 <laughs> and not a job. Uh, and obviously the Ravens said the, the uh, Steelers a little bit of a favorite there. Yeah, well, it's really funny how there's the drafts are intertwined, right? Because we can also talk about Calvin Austin and Isaiah Likely uh, and the, the six uh, fourth round picks the Ravens had. But yeah, George Pickens, and this is one of those things that it's almost a loop, right? The Steelers, and when they took George Pickens, you did have a feeling that whether it was about Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, that they almost had clarity that they weren't going to give both of those guys second contracts. And because there was just no reason to take George Pickens uh, that early if you were going to have those two players as part of your core. And sure enough, we see Chase Claypool traded during the season for mm-hmm. a pick that's going to end up higher than the pick that they used to take take chase claypool so that's the steelers doing good business at at wide receiver now but with george pickens where we stand right now is after a spectacular preseason where he was one of the stories of the preseason and a few plays that flashed now he's got that uh discontent about the amount of targets he's getting you have mike tomlin saying well there's a lot of argument about whether he's saying the right thing saying i'd rather have to say whoa than sick him but at the same time, is that one of those things where he's approving of that? Uh, because I think there's already been some frustration on the part of Kenny Pickett or even Mitchell Trubisky talking about like a quiet huddle and players not clamoring for a certain play to be called and things like that. We know Deontay Johnson hasn't always been uh, a player who's been content with his role in the offense this year. So I think that this is one of those situations where even though they've been winning lately, winning is not curing everything. And why did George Pickens fall to the second round? Not because of a lack of ability, athletic ability, ability at the catch point, ability to make big plays. It was some of those uh, intangible, some people even saying that he was a lot lower on some teams' boards. And I think we're seeing some of that other side. So while it was exciting in the spring to see what he could do for the team, now we're seeing some of the ways that he could at least give the team some distractions or more to think about than just his play. Yeah, I, I I look at Pickens and I see on a team that's averaging only six point four yards per target across the across the entire team, he's at eight point four yards per target. So is there may be discontent, but there's still a lot of quality there in terms of of who he is. That's not that's not the question at all, right, Sigmund? Right. Well, and he gives them a, that vertical element and that ability to win those fifty fifty balls and make those catches that he has no business making. But the thing is, uh, Ken, we're seeing this become a running team. We're seeing this become a conservative offense. And look, Kenny Pickett doesn't have great arm strength. Kenny Pickett, even though he can, he's mobile and he's got uh, competitive, competitive toughness extending plays, he's not going to extend plays 
again, who, who these guys were thinking of? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, where you keep the whole field in play when you're extending the play. He doesn't necessarily do that. Uh, and I think another thing where the Steelers and Ravens and fan bases can relate to each other is feeling like, well, whatever we have, we don't have the offensive coaches to harvest the value of that, to maximize the value of that. So how do we even know what we have? But we know that if the run game can get going, maybe with some more play action, which is something that the Steelers have been almost allergic to with Ben Roethlisberger. So it's we're still in a state of transition, and the latest transition is focusing on the running game, the offensive line gelling, and George Pickens is just not a big part of the game plan when that's the focus. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, other guys, other key uh, acquisitions through yeah. the offseason you want to talk about? Yeah, well, it's, it's a typical Steelers free agent class, right? Uh, guys like Mason Cole and Levi Wallace, who's been pretty solid. You know, Steelers are never going to be big spenders in free agency. Um, I think something else that was not a personnel move player-wise was Brian Flores being added to the staff on defense, although we haven't seen some of his exotic blitzes putting the uh, uh, putting the offense uh, on notice, basically putting them in a state of urgency in decisions, challenging the quarterbacks. We haven't seen that get into the DNA of the defense quite yet. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, that's almost that's not even yesterday's news. That feels like like last year's news. But when they signed him, he was going to be the. Uh, we didn't even know if he was going to be a bridge to a quarterback they drafted this year, but they've already moved on from him. We may see him traded in the off season. Uh, and then the other thing, as far as big moves, was just getting everything taken care of with extensions, right? My, M- Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Deontay Johnson, TJ Watt. Oh, you know, every basically, it, it seems like the, the they have an idea of the blueprint for the future, uh, so they're set up. But again, how far can this team go? in an AFC that has some incredible quarterbacks that may have not even hit their peak years yet. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a good point. I, I, you know, one of the things you were talking earlier about moving on from Chase Claypool and obviously the, the fact that they traded Antonio Brown at the time for what seemed like a very uh, limited amount of return mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be just the right time. <laughs> yeah. For that move. But, um, the, the big one of the big debates is in terms of what the correct valuation is for wide receivers in offense in general. And if you listen to groups like PFF, they basically say if you're not involved in the passing game, you're not part of the team in terms of you shouldn't be making any money. Basically, right. they want all those players should be should be your top draft priorities, whether you're pass rushers, cornerbacks, wide receivers, or quarterbacks. Um, and it seems like now the with it teams. Um, and I would put the Steelers in that category, although the Steelers certainly have accumulated wide receivers through the draft whenever they needed them. Mm-hmm. The, the the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Packers, even though success levels are are varying this year, have all said we're not going to pay wide receivers that way. You know, we're, we we want to pay less. Where do you think the Steelers fan base falls on that, I and mean, the Steelers organization maybe more importantly? Yeah, I think the Steelers fan base is, is fine with how they've approached the wide receiver position because, like you said, they've hit on so many picks. And we even that's even with you mentioned that Antonio Brown trade. I think that Martavis Bryant was the player they used uh, that third round pick the the hmm. um, the most. And Martavis Bryant, George Pickens, a lot of similarities there, you know, in terms of ability, but in terms of perhaps I and mean, you were just speculating, uh, you know, again, this was one of the things in his pre-draft uh, outlook that intangibles or character or personality or however you want to describe it may be a limiting factor to have all that talent blossom. Anyway, I think that the 
the fan base is fine with this approach. And Calvin Austin, again, this is a player I'm sure that's familiar to Ravens fans because he was supposed to be a Raven. And there's almost no reason that he isn't a Raven, honestly. But uh, in, in the sense that they had more than enough picks to get him, if he was that much of a priority. Um, that that's something that's lacking right now, the speed that he would provide for this offense. But because they keep hitting on these picks and they're willing to go back to the well and they see, and they're getting out ahead, you know, cause we also saw what six wide receivers go in the top 20 this year. So you have the, the reaction and the reaction, the action being Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams traded uh, and the reaction being, well, then getting some of these talented wide receivers on rookie contracts, it's almost like wide receivers, the new quarterback where you mm-hmm. want to, you want to stock the position without having to pay market value. But if you look at what Tyree kills done for Miami, um, it certainly doesn't dispel the notion that a wide receiver who's only affecting the play 10 or 15 times, Tyree Hill may be the exception because of how he distorts the defense, even when he's not targeted, uh, that they can be that important, that they can be the second premium position after a quarterback. I don't think anybody has any problem with how the Steelers have been uh, doing it and kind of like how the Broncos were doing it before they got Russell Wilson. But much like the Broncos, if you don't get the quarterback right, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Let's talk injuries currently in terms mm-hmm. of, of what's going on. Anything, any big ones coming to this game? No, actually. Uh, the team is, is very healthy right now, and there's been some different bumps in the road. But, you, you know, Najee Harris, who had that uh, abdominal injury in Week 12, came back last week and looked sharp. They didn't have him on the injury report, even though he only got a limited practice in and missed two practices. And it looked like that was actually not playing games with the injury report. That that was correct. Um, we've seen uh, on the defensive side now, uh, I think Robert Spillane's ready to get back to that three-man rotation at inside linebacker, uh, maybe getting some more look at dimebacker. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick is healthy again. Uh, you know, they're missing Akella Witherspoon is out for the year. So he, he was operating as a starter at the beginning of the season, but Levi Wallace has really stepped up to replace him. So this is a, a healthy team that is going to be able to have the the players they want. They're not having to put players in positions that maybe are uh, getting them over their abilities. Boy, we don't like hearing that. I, I, it's, just, uh, it's they went to the Jacksonville game. They went down to to, to Jacksonville. We, we went out of the game too. Not that that matters, but they, they saw the uh, injury report midweek is no injuries to report. It, right. It's you know it's almost December. That's mm-hmm. just unfair in terms of what's going on. The, the Ravens injury report is you know eight ten deep most days of people on limited practice or, or rest days, even, you know, might be three or four of them, but still you, 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 there's way too many uh, total players who are walking wounded or not going to play this week in terms of, uh, of what's going on with Jackson leading the way in that, in that category. You know, the one thing I want to talk to you about otherwise was contract wise was, was kind of how the Steelers and the fan base are looking at the notion between uh, tanking and rebuilding versus where they are. It's obviously got a lot of talented players on this team. And you mentioned the quarterback purgatory being, you know, you, you really, if you don't get a, a really top pick, it's hard to hit on that quarterback. Is there any segment of the Pittsburgh fan base that's saying we still should be in rebuild mode here? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, look, the Pittsburgh fan base, this is funny because there's a whole way let's say the Pittsburgh fan base that is really engaged on an analytical level with the team. Okay. Not necessarily strictly an emotional level. I think there's a lot of ambivalence 
Um, and this is not a team that rebuilds. This is, I mean, I mean Ken, if we want to talk about a, a true rebuild. You have to go back to, I guess, the 80s, honestly. Hmm. I mean, since the Cowher years, I mean, isn't that the whole hallmark of the Steelers is continuity. And again, Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season. This is what the Steelers do. But at the same time, does that still fit in a 2022 NFL where things are changing quickly? You you talked about PFF and the value of the pass. But what are we seeing? The pendulum is swinging back and teams playing more cover to you, having lighter personnel. We're seeing the run becoming more efficient. I think by some measures, there was a point where the run was as efficient as the pass or even slightly more efficient than the pass. And you are seeing teams like Washington, for instance, that uh, are have that more old school uh, balance like we're going to wear you down it's the the it's like the runs you the first half runs and the commitment to the run is deposits in a savings account that mm-hmm. gather interest by the time you get to the fourth quarter and i know when the ravens were flying high that was absolutely something that you could watch happen in real time during their games so i i do think that uh th- this is uh this is something that the steelers are a an organization, you know, they always promote from within when they have openings on the coaching staff, right? Mike Tomlin is basically the defensive coordinator and the defense has been an Achilles heel for this team. My, Matt Canada is one of the most hated men in Pittsburgh at this point. You know, again, I, I think this is something where these two fan bases can relate where who we know that the offense is underperforming. Who's to blame? Mm-hmm. And and it's not necessarily the personnel. And I mean, it's not the GM. It's not the ability to get in the personnel. So I just I wonder if the Steelers' mindset is agile enough to understand that uh, sometimes you do take a short term hit to be able to not just rebuild but reformulate how you can compete with these teams. And I don't know if it's something that they have because uh, they have in, in their idea of how to manage a team because they've never had to do it. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I, I remain totally agnostic of how the Steelers will, whether they can self-scout. I mean, isn't this a team that has seemed like they've been in denial for years about having to have a new direction and they're just trying to continue to patch this, patch it together and continue to make the blueprint they had with Ben Roethlisberger still work without Ben Roethlisberger. So I, really, I'm talking through it. I'm talking through it, Ken, as a Steelers fan, because I just don't know if they have the wherewithal to see themselves in the mirror accurately and give some hard answers to know that sometimes you do have to take a step back to take two steps forward. So I, I like the way you put that there as a step back to take two steps forward. But the you know the Twitterverse is a... Uh, a fickle place, but also kind of a, 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 you know, something that you just can't worry about trying to um, stamp your own opinion on it. You know, you, you yeah. voice your opinion. If people embrace it, fi- fantastic, but they, but they won't. I mean, there's a large group of people that are just fire the offensive coordinator. The, right. you know, the used to be the backup coordinator backup quarterback was the most popular guy. Now it's whatever hot coordinator in college is mm-hmm. getting rid of your guy. Um, I, the, the, the thing that bothers me, is that all parties seem to have different views about what the correct long-term strategy is. Mm -hmm. And they believe they're the longest-term thinkers. But to me, fans who don't have a commitment to season tickets in particular are really, (laughs) they they are not going to live through the pain I'll have to live through 
if the Ravens decide to be not a level team, very much like the Steelers have been. Right. You, where you where you want to keep your stars, you want to sign your cornerstone players, you want to re- rely on being a good drafting organization to continually build up value. And and frankly, I think both the Steelers and the Ravens go for the same notion of lottery tickets in the playoffs are worth more than peak years to try and win the Super Bowl where mm-hmm. we trade for everybody. And in particular, these last, I mean, Lamar Jackson has not finished the last three seasons. Um, if we include this one and we project that he won't, but he, he, he got injured in the bills game. He got injured in 2021 and didn't play at the end of the year. And then, you know, 2022 he's out right now and, and he may or may not come back this year. Uh, it, it, when you have that hanging over your head as a possibility and every team does in terms of quarterback injuries, I don't understand the um, let's buy all the free agents we need right now to make a run at it notion. Yeah. Well, and the Rams, I don't think that this is something that the is in the NFL is a copycat league, but I don't think you're going to see teams copy the Rams. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see teams copy the Broncos. I, I, I it looked like after Tom Brady and the Bucks and Matthew Stafford and the Rams that maybe there might be some move to oh we just have to get the right veteran quarterback and they'll revitalize all. We did a good job building this team. It's just that we just needed the right veteran quarterback. But I, you have these cautionary examples like the Colts. The Panthers. I mean, the Broncos aren't even. The Broncos are worse off than the Texans right now. Mm-hmm. The, the Broncos are maybe in the worst spot in the league right now because they decided to go with that strategy. The Packers are at a crossroads. Um, you know, they they have some urgency just to see what they have in Jordan Love, a player they spent a first round pick on. So I think that teams are going to get the right lesson out of what happened with the Rams, which is not push everything in the middle keep trading your first and second round picks and just assume you're going to hit on third day picks to get viable players but instead that slow and steady build you know more like what we see in baseball what we see in basketball and understanding that it's a multi-year process what the lions are doing it's a multi-year process to get your team to be able to be competitive with the best teams in the league yeah a very very well put well, let's move on and talk about the offense. Some. Sure. Uh, and we'll t- let's talk about Pickett for, for starters in terms yeah. of just your strengths and weaknesses on the field. Yeah. Again, competitive toughness is great. Um, I, you know, I do think, especially when you're replacing Mitchell Trubisky, uh, I think that that at least gives a sense of uh, a little more aggressiveness. Uh, I like to think of quarterbacks in terms of do they see positive outcomes and try to make them happen or do they see negative outcomes and they just avoid them so you're going from Mitchell Trubisky and well let's just not make any mistakes and take care of the football to Kenny Pickett who at first was passing more but that's where his limitations show up right arm strength absolutely a limitation uh and maybe especially at this point in his career development he's learning his limits right and the only way you learn your limits is if you try to go past them and find out, well, these are plays that I thought I could make that I can't make. So I, that's where we've seen the Steelers uh, really focus on the running game. And you're asking him to make fewer plays. You're asking him to make plays where defenses are now actually having to have uh, to, to honor the run. So I, I think that, and again, I'll point back to what he did for the, the pit program and got them to about a high a point as anybody has gotten them to, even though they constantly send good pro level talent to the NFL. Uh, so I think that they're rallying around him and th- those kinds of things I think are helping the team in an immediate sense in terms of wins and losses. But again, this running theme about well, can it get better than just being competitive and eking out wins against the Colts 
than the Falcons with Kenny Pickett, because I, I do think what you see is basically what you're going to get. This is not a quarterback that we're thinking has a high uh, ascent in his career arc. You know, you're looking at maybe like a Kirk Cousins type where you maybe win with him, but not because of him. Hmm. I'd, I'd actually, you know, if I'm if I'm looking at getting a new quarterback, I don't know that that's the worst thing in the world to, to get a Kirk Cousins, but uh, especially your team like the Steelers that has a lot of the other pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, no, I was just going to ask you about the next position. So you got another sure. point about Pickett. Go ahead. Well, no, and I, I think that, I, and I think that you, what comes to mind when you say that is those other pieces, and we're going to watch this play out on Sunday. Um, the, for that to work, the Steelers have to have a healthy TJ Watt, right? They have to have a healthy Minka Fitzpatrick, and as soon as those players, like a Keystone, are taken out, then you see that you, to compete against the best teams. Uh, it's, you know, where the Steelers were able to go toe to toe with the Bengals in week one with Mitchell Trubisky because TJ Watt was the peak TJ Watt, even though he's playing now, he's not playing as well. And we saw they were able to hang with the Bengals for about a half. And then they won the Bengals won going away in the second half. All right, let's move on and talk about the offensive line. Mm -hmm. Take us through left to right. Who's playing and who's playing well. Yeah, and you know this is uh, an offensive line that is getting better, and I think that going into the season on paper, they were probably the worst in the league. But Dan Moore, the, the uh, fourth-round pick from 2021, is settling in. He's probably the weak link on the line, but he's settling in at left tackle. Kevin Dotson has worked out as a fourth-round pick from 2020. Mason Cole, uh, they picked up in free agency and making everybody forget about Kendrick Green, the third-round pick from last year. James Daniels who was uh, d- didn't fit in the Bears' offensive line, and that was also one of the worst offensive lines on paper, but the Steelers were able to make a good reclamation po- project out of him. And Chuck's a core for the right tackle uh, on his s- second contract, third-round pick from 2018, who's working out. And again, this they're finding their identity as a run team. And with Najee Harris, what was he up to? 240 pounds in the preseason. You know, the power running, uh, even though he is nimble, has better feet for a big back than you think. but I think that the, the again we're we're all going all the way back to the Bill Cowher years basically where the run game is going to set the tone and now the offensive line is finally doing their part. I want to talk about Kendrick Green for a second because he's somebody yeah. I loved in the in the draft last year. Is he just a healthy backup at this point? Yeah, I mean I think that you can see that the team at this point doesn't really see him as a part of the future, honestly. Um I mean there's always a chance that he can resurrect his career but i think they maybe they gave him too much too fast maybe they uh got a little over their skis projecting him as a center uh but i I think at this point it's really up to him what he can contribute but the team i think has almost moved on from that pick and anything they get from him is depth is just a bonus Uh, you could see it with the personnel moves bringing in cole and daniels and that cole and daniels have held on to those positions i think it's basically sealed green's fate it's like you said just a backup is is he a is he a player for whom a change of scenery you think could work out? Uh, if if they had it, I mean, if they could work out a trade. I mean, Kendrick Green was drafted pretty darn high, right? Yeah, third round pick. I I don't know. I mean, I I just think I think that they had big plans for him and they expected him to be able to be a starter right away. Mm-hmm. So I mean, a, a change of scenery could be. I mean it could be beneficial in so much that there won't be any expectations. Uh, and he, he, so he won't necessarily disappoint. So maybe that's, was the problem is the expectations were too high. And if he goes somewhere else, uh, a, a place that the expectations are like, Hey, you're just going to compete and try to win a spot on the roster. That could be the best thing for him. All right. Well, that, 
it's uh, it's uh, kind of disappointing for him. Uh, the wide receiver core, take us through. Now, we've talked about a few of these guys, but go ahead yeah. and lay them out. Yeah, and we've talked about George Pickens. You know, he he is that receiver who you want him win one on one on the boundary and make those plays downfield. Deontay Johnson, who can play inside and outside, uh, so he can win one on one. You want to see him maybe more in the slot, and that was something that people were wondering about after Chase Claypool was traded because Chase Claypool was playing a lot of big slot for them, and then it's kind of nondescript. Stephen Sims has been; uh, he's a journeyman. Washington he's contributed with most notably he moved into the slot he at least can offer some value after the catch you know return man skills but uh, he's a replaceable player Gunnar Olszewski same thing special teams a replaceable player Miles Boykin the Ravens fan base knows Mm -hmm. him well what does he have to offer all those physical tools blocking uh, you know and he gets on the field for a few snaps the player again that's missing here is Calvin Austin because they're running those plays jet sweeps those plays where you need that speed I like to say Ken every offense should have a player that forces the defense to honor the jet sweep that stretches the defense horizontally and Calvin Austin was supposed to be that guy and you're seeing them run plays with Gunnar Olszewski and Stephen Sims and wondering if and the Calvin Austin was supposed to be activated I think he started off the season on IR and surprisingly they just decided to let the 21 days lapse and not call him up to the active roster was a bit surprising so he's IR'd for the year yeah so it was it's that's the player that's missing i think and he's not strictly a gimmick speed player either i mean he's a player who can play inside and outside and and offer a lot so that's he it's almost you know more interested in talking about the player who's not out there than the players that are out there because after johnson and pickens there's not a lot of contributions yeah so go back to our draft show again you're right about the intertwining of these uh, one of the people I really respect, Coach, Coach at Coach Evans Nine, if people are listening, is uh, is uh, Ivan Evans. Uh, does does a great job here in Baltimore of of, of doing some film reviews, but uh, uh, of the Ravens, he actually lives down for it. Doesn't matter. But anyway, he he really wanted like like the rest of us did George Pickens at number forty five, but he was the biggest proponent of Austin in the fourth round. And, and of, of the people on our, a couple people were okay getting him or okay getting him at some point during the fourth round, but we had other needs, you know, cornerback, left tackle, and uh, people thought the Falele pick was pretty good. And and they, you know, they're a little surprised by the punter probably I, coming into the middle of that. But, but see, you know, you have six fourth round picks. It's, you know, you just, you're feasting, you're feeding your face, frankly, on, mm-hmm. on, uh, on the possible talent terms, but he was, he was kind of upset when the Ravens didn't get Calvin Austin and, and uh, it was uh you know, hearing your really positive reviews of him, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, want to go back to him on that, I think, and, and, and I talk to him about it. Uh, so we, we did the wide receivers. Tell us about the running backs and Najee yeah. and whoever else is running the ball. These yeah. Days. Not, and Najee Harris at different times has been disappointing this year. You came into the season with a foot injury, uh, and you wondered how much that was affecting him. Then you have this abdominal injury, but it seems like he's over that. And now you have the meshing of establishing the run, the offensive line gelling, and Najee Harris making some plays, adding some value, and keeping the offense on schedule. Because this is an offense because of Kenny Pickett's limitations that you're matriculating the ball down the field, right? I mean, this isn't a chunk play offense. So you have behind Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, an undrafted free agent who blew past the fourth round picks they had used, uh, Benny Snell 
Anthony McFarland. McFarland got an increased opportunity when Harris was a little banged up, didn't do much with it. Snell came in later in that game against the Colts, had one of his better halves as a Steeler, but uh, they would prefer to not use Snell, who's, again, these are limited guys that they took in the fourth round. McFarland was supposed to provide speed. Snell was supposed to provide some hard nose running, but then they turn around and they take Najee Harris, which showed really in-house they knew they weren't going to get much out of these guys. So Harris is a foundational player at this point, and Warren has been a nice surprise. Still love the matriculating into the field down the country. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a number of, of people who probably are not my age, and you're younger, obviously, but yeah. but if people who don't know where that comes from, but it's from Hank Stram and the in Super mm-hmm. Bowl four. If you go out to Kansas City, the other thing you see is there's a statue of, of Hank outside statue, or say it's a it's a plaque or a statue of some sort, and it has 65 toss power trap on it. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. uh, is a, a kind of a cool recollection, but they they obviously uh love their chiefs. Uh, Anthony McFarlane, a Maryland guy, uh, yeah. anything to say about him? No, I mean, Matt Canada, he had a connection to Matt Canada too. Um, I think the Steelers took Jalen Samuels, uh, at the same thing. He also had a connection to Matt Canada. And so you thought, well, Matt Canada's going to know what to know. Uh, it, I think it's just, he was just one of those one trick ponies that got overdrafted because of, of, uh, too much, putting too much value on a 40 time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just think that th- that they even gave him the opportunity they did when Najee Harris was banged up surprised me. But I think that he just, if there was a, the nail in the coffin of him having any sort of, not it's not just the future with the Steelers. I think you can just see running back as a position where the churn, you know, Zonovan Knight, an undrafted free agent. You're seeing these guys get a, a Jordan Mason. You know, there's always not just one guy, but two or three guys. Jalen Warren, he wasn't expected to be part of the Steelers' plans. You know, uh, there's always going to be a supply of guys coming to take your job if you're not maximizing your talent. Well, we didn't we didn't talk about the tight end position, but Pat Fryermuth having a pretty good year. Yeah, and he's giving them in so much as they have a downfield dangerous player outside the wide receivers. It's Fryermuth, and then Zach Gentry, who was not drafted for his blocking. You know, he was a converted quarterback. Uh, he's actually become a key to the running game and a, a great blocker. Uh, I think he even got more snaps than Firemuth in the past uh, in the last game. So he might be a player who's on the field more, even though he's not showing up at the box score as much. And with their emerging philosophy and success in the running game, uh, a player that is, isn't necessarily a household name, but is important to the Steelers. All right. Outstanding. Uh, now the Ravens, uh, sorry, the, the Steelers run primarily out of 11 personnel. Not right? anymore. Not any well, see, since that's the thing, right? So, with Chase Claypool, yes, I think in 2021, 75%. Now, this year, we're still waiting, we're still waiting. Sometimes it's uh, Derek Watt, just a few, they're not really truly a fullback offense. Sometimes it's Connor Hayward, I didn't mention H back tight end, scored his first touchdown of his career uh, against Atlanta, a, a rookie. Sometimes it's Steven Sims, you know, sometimes it's an extra offensive lineman. So I, I think that this team hasn't really settled into a, a, an identity or a personnel set that they're most comfortable in after the Chase Claypool trade. Not yet. Okay. All right. Uh, anything we should look for in terms of a common play and formation that the Steelers like to run a lot? Um, like I said, I think that, that that's – I think that – just it's going to be a, a power running game, I think. I, and I think you're, you, I think that it, it's going to be good old hat on a hat football. I mean, I think in in both both sides, you know, when the Ravens' offense is on the field and when the Steelers' offense is on the field. So, I, I what the Steelers aren't going to do, Ken, is beat you 
with coaching, beat you with game plans, you know, beat you with one-off game plans and play designs and coming up with something to attack the specific weaknesses of the defense they're facing that huh. week. They're, they're, again, this, this just reminds me of the Bill Cowher Steelers. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do, try to do it well. And if you can stop us from doing it, then good on you. That is really interesting because I looked at the Steelers and, and going back to the, might've been the exact game we were talking about in 2020, um, the, the Steelers won that game uh, by forcing the Ravens to put an extra cornerback on the field, going to a lot of 10 personnel, and the Ravens did not have a fourth cornerback. Right. This year, they don't have a third cornerback. Right. In fact, they, 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 their slot corner now is Kyle Hamilton, the first-round draft pick, who they're saying, well, he's the best we got. We're, we're, you know, we're going to pretend like he's the honey badger and put him out there at slot corner, and we'll see. Yeah, and I, just, I, th- I think the Steelers are focused right now. They're reveling in their success within the running game. Uh, it worked out well against the Falcons. And I think that because the Ravens' offense hasn't had the ability to force the, a game script onto the opponent that gets them out of their comfort yeah. zone, you know, th- I think this is going to be like a Greco-Roman wrestling match. It's, it's going <laughs> to be a, a stalemate and see who, like a sumo wrestling match even, and see who can get that edge that push like the game last week between denver and baltimore all right very well put let's move on to the defense here and the first thing i usually like to ask is is how does the team like to play in obvious passing situations to to, so do they typically uh show up with a are they committed nickel team or do they bring a third safety in as a dime back or how exactly how do they set up they you know they added uh demonte kz and he's been a pretty good addition as a third safety. And he is on the field more often than a third corner at this point. So I think that you are seeing that more. I think that there's, uh, and they pretty much are playing straight up like three, four, but not, now we may see more of the, the classic three, four base in this game, uh, but, and then just the nickel and the dime. And there's also been, again, some, um, as far as their dime backer, who that has been, who that should be, is sometimes a subject of contention. Uh, but Casey has been a good mid-season addition. And in his very first game with the Steelers, uh, he played 100% of the snaps because Mika Fitzpatrick was out. And uh, so he was thrown into the fire, and they're pretty happy with what they have got there. I always like to spend some time talking about up front how the team rotates because uh, you know you mentioned earlier that the Ravens really do like to wear down an opponent and you know they've been winning snap count recently which is good uh, but they're a, they're a four yards of play team right now with Tyler yeah. Huntley and and uh, the, the question is uh, do they have enough guys to really rotate so that they can keep a base defense that's fairly well rested? They do, although that's again with a lot of nickel and a lot of dime, and only having two <clears throat> two down linemen on the field. Because what you're seeing is uh, Cameron Hayward. You know, he's obviously going to shoulder 75 percent of the snaps and be that signature player. And Larry Ogunjobi has held up. You know, that's been a key to that signing being successful. So they're the closest thing they have to full time players. And then. Generally, Montrevis Adams and Tyson Alu-Alu will play the nose when they have a nose tackle. And then a player I know that's familiar to Ravens fans, Chris Wormley, mm-hmm. is giving them that uh, ability to keep Ogunjobi and Hayward fresh. So I, 
it'll be interesting to see if this does turn into more of a throwback game and the teams aren't relying on their nickel and dime. And could that be something that the Ravens turn to their advantage? Cause that's it. The Steelers have those five players basically to eat up snaps. And usually the, you know, you're, you're pushing um, all of these secondary guys if they get even more than 50% of the snaps. So I think that, I, I think that perhaps this could be a weakness just because the 2022 NFL hasn't been asking these, they haven't been playing three down linemen very often. Yeah, it's it's there's it been definitely a gravitational shift in the game, and when when a lot of teams are forcing the nickel with eleven, you you just don't have to have the, all that many linemen active. I always get nervous, and this has happened in recent years when the Ravens only activate four linemen on game day, but this year it's been five every time, and I. I you know, I think they're they're well suited to play base defense when they need to this year, and they've they've got themselves in some kind of uncomfortable situations with injuries in uh, in, in past years that way. But uh, you know, look at the snap counts. Ogan Joby, uh, Raven killer of the past, yeah, with Cincinnati. How's he played so far this year for Pittsburgh? Yeah, he. I mean, he's been certainly. You remember Stephon Tuitt retired in the off season. You know, this was was supposed to be a, a long term piece of this defense, and I think it's, it's worked out. Uh, he's been giving them the effort they need. Uh, you know, if there's been a, a weak link in the Steelers' defense not performing up to expectations, it's just been T.J. Watt and his injury because a lot of externalities are created not just by the plays he makes uh but by the attention he gets and just how going into the week you know that you know how are we going to stop tj watt from beating us but okanjobi has been a a great addition and a a bargain addition because he was coming in off of an injury riddled season all right how about going to the the uh the edge players in particular uh high smith and watt i think we i think the ravens would be trading right now yeah yeah so your problem is yeah, well, I mean, and unlike the Ravens, Steelers don't have depth. I mean, the, the, at least the Ravens have uh, players, veterans, younger players, versatile players. The Steelers have Watt, who's not healthy. You know, Watt, he's not. I mean, he's he's not himself out there. He's got a rib injury right now. I remember he had a pec injury. They weren't sure if it was season-ending. He was decided to rehab it instead. Uh, and you can see that he's not himself. Highsmith has been a huge hit and uh has given them you know you think back to the Steelers teams that have really flourished since they, they became the signature 3-4 team and it would always have a con that the, I would call them the pinchers of, of that defense and Highsmith has given them that guy opposite Watt um, and Malik Reed has been rotating and giving them at least some snaps to, to keep those guys fresh but not a lot of contributions beyond that you know remember this was that they brought in melvin ingram last year to be that third guy and you're seeing ingram making plays for miami you saw him making plays for kansas city that just just didn't work out so you're not getting the uh the contributions from reed that you would have gotten from a player like ingram or what, what the ravens are getting from justin houston demarvin leal an interesting yep. guy from the draft this year how's he doing yeah first game uh he's been hurt for eight weeks and he got on the field for some snaps so you know that's a player talking about the tension between if the Ravens can get the run established and keep the Steelers in a base defense and try to wear down uh, Okunjobi and, and Hayward, he could be a player who could come on to save the day with, uh, you know, he's the, he doesn't have the wear and tear of three months of the season yet. And he, he's just healthy enough to make the field last week. And he, his role could increase with the, the verve and energy of a rookie. All right. How about the off ball linebackers? 
Yeah, you've got uh, Miles Jack, who was one of their big free agent signings, who has been, well, it's Miles Jack, you know, a lot of energy, toughness, uh, somewhat of a liability in coverage. You saw Jelani Woods a couple of weeks ago really uh, have his way with Jack and coverage. Devin Bush, who they spent a first round pick on, moved up to get in the first round a few years back. Been a disappointment uh, for how much they spent to get him. However, his play has been improving, and there's even some talk that he's he's not a liability in coverage, not even not a liability in coverage, but uh, when there are passes completed uh, to the player he's covering, he's limiting gains. And then Robert Spillane, who's you know just um, one of those signature players, you know his energy. I'm always remembering the play when he met Derrick Henry in the hole in a, uh, the Steelers uh, and Titans, like a, an epic battle. And uh, even though you, you don't think that's a wise thing to do. He did it. And I think it was something that really lit the fuse for the defense that day. And he's that kind of player. And he might be uh, one of the better linebackers to have on the field coverage. So he's healthier again now. So I think that they're still trying to figure out uh, how to distribute snaps and how to who's the best players to have out in passing situations. So Devin Bush, that was a, the draft of the two Devins. And and mm-hmm. I know that both have been a little bit of a, of a disappointment because Devin White was picked up for the fifth year contract. I believe the Steelers did not pick up Devin Bush, correct? No, no, they didn't. And so he's in his fourth year now, not tied to the, the Steelers for next year. Are, are, are they having any contract negotiations, any thought of extending him at this point? There hasn't been any talk about that. And, you know, again, I think the, the good news is that his play is improving and there's just been talk of a lot of the things, a lot of the mental things in his position are getting better for him. So I think that there's a, a groundwork being laid that it's mutually beneficial. You know, he's mm-hmm. got momentum in this defense. Obviously, there's nobody breathing down his neck to take over his role if he does come back. And even if he's looking at landing a big contract, he's not going to get a big contract this year. But if he comes back to the Steelers, and maybe he can up his profile by continuing that momentum. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on a you know, one-year deal, I don't know, like five, $8 million range, keep him, see if everybody can benefit by at least keeping it together for one more year. Hmm. Okay, we, low probability then of a longer term deal, like a three or four year deal. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I think he hasn't earned. I don't think he's earned that. I mean, I think. I think that you're hopeful, but I just don't think you make that kind of commitment to a player that uh, hasn't shown that he's worth it yet. Yeah. So it, there's an interesting, like, basically a barbelling that occurs in the NFL that I've observed that the guys who are in the position like Bush, they really want a prove it deal. And then there's a bunch of other yes. guys entering their fifth year who they want a two-year special teams plus other things, and they would love to get four hundred thousand of total bonus and you mm-hmm. know vet minimum per year. And there's Anthony Levine contract I always used to call that, or you know the mm-hmm. number of special teams players. And then of course there's the guys at the other end who you know won't even look your way if you if they're not talking about a long-term deal. But uh, there's some guys who misread that situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just I, I think that this, unfortunately, like you said, Ken, I like how you use that term barbelling, um, you know, it's kind of a, a haves and have nots. And ha- how the league looks at these players is, is generally, especially off ball linebacker, they're almost always overestimating their value in free agency. And I think that the league, I think that a lot of people like to bemoan the league doesn't, you know, they're, they're dinosaurs or backwards looking or backwards thinkers but i think they have a pretty good idea of the positions that are fungible and replaceable and the positions that aren't and off ball linebackers probably one of the positions that are replaceable and the, the steelers seem to understand that where the, as the 
uh, the Bucks uh, probably didn't get it right. And honestly, the Ravens have made a huge investment in Roquan Smith, who so far has played very well for the Ravens. But I'm I'm really wondering about a twenty million dollar contract for an inside linebacker as well. And the Ravens have some history there, of course, of of paying their inside linebackers. But um, I'm a big believer believer that off ball linebacker is a place where you can do some platooning. Yeah, and it's even the best place to not have your green dot for that purpose because you get the most flexibility in getting those guys on and off the field. Yeah, I think the Rams are a good template for that. I think the Rams, are, you know, they did just bring in Rob Bobby Wagner and that bad timing to pay and bring in Bobby Wagner this year. But before that, um, they just had a bunch of anonymous, nondescript guys at inside linebacker, and they were fine. All right, take us through the secondary. Yeah, and it's again, it's straight up. I mean, the Steelers personnel is uh, going to be uh, very constant. You know, Mika Fitzpatrick, of course, is a signature player here, uh, and you know, he's the player that has a little more freedom, uh, can play multiple roles. Terrell Edmonds, uh, that's the player the Steelers took over. Lamar Jackson, uh, he's okay. I mean, he's a lot more athletic than the production. You know more of a box safety uh more physical safety than a, a deep coverage safety and then you've had cameron sutton who has developed they've spent so many picks at cornerback and gotten so little out of it uh you have cameron sutton inside outside he's leveled off as a starting corner uh since joe hayden has moved on uh levi wallace who was a good bargain signing i think about two years nine million uh, uh originally was with buffalo he's been playing really well and then again, in so much as you're seeing anybody out there, most often it is Casey as the third uh, safety, as the fifth defensive back, um, James Pierre, Arthur Mollett. You know, these are players that are filling cracks. Pierre had a chance to have a bigger role in the secondary. He was, uh, I think, a third day draft pick a few years back. But those are the four. And I think uh, they're just not very resilient if it comes to injury. You talk about injury problems for the Ravens secondary. I mean, the Steelers, Casey saved them when they lost Fitzpatrick for that one game. But, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick goes down, if Sutton goes down, if Wallace goes down, there's a big drop off to the next player up. All right. Very good. Outstanding stuff. Thank you for taking us through all this. How about picking one player on offense, one player on a defense that you think uh, matches up well against the Ravens? Yeah, well, Highsmith is the player that you hope as a Steelers fan makes a few plays to really uh, tilt the field in favor of the Steelers where, uh, you know, put the Ravens in a third and long uh, attack um, on offense. You know, again, I don't want to say Calvin Austin because, I mean, that that's a player I think that you would be looking at as a player to try to exploit the weakness and the depth of the Ravens secondary. Uh, but I I want to say there, I mean, who I don't, I think that the Ravens have uh, the cornerbacks to hang one-on-one with Pickens and Johnson. I think that really it's Najee Harris, I don't want to say he matches up well, but what Najee Harris can do after contact and get extra yards, I think is going to be one of the keys to whether the Steelers can come on top. All right. All right. Well, just great to be able to talk football with you, Sigmund. Thanks so much for being able to make time in your busy schedule. Uh, Tell folks where they can find your work. Yeah, footballguys.com. And we just love football. Football is the first thing you think about when you wake up last thing. Before you go to sleep and you know, we have a fantasy football slam but it's really just about passion about football and all the different ways all the different permutations and commutation computations that go into fantasy football we love to think about them share what we do as far as our process uh everything from analytics to narratives and, and in between and uh it you know 
this year more than ever has been it's been chaotic but i think because of that the exercise hasn't has changed from trying to triangulate and nail down what's happening but to adjusting and probing and exploring together and i think that's what keeps us engaged is it continues to change and we're always processing what just happened trying to understand how that's going to affect what's going to happen rinse repeat and in the end it's it's uh, more about surviving it's <laughs> when fantasy football surviving in the nfl than it is getting it exactly right because uh it, you know it's the fragility of teams the fragility of players is more apparent than ever well, if you're not following me at Sigmund Bloom, make sure you you give him a follow. And I think even if you're not a fantasy player, I think there's a lot to be gained from the insights that Sigmund has. And you've just heard a lot of them on this show, so I'm sure that you'll you'll uh, you'll understand or follow with that. Uh, other other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'd love to talk to you. Got a couple great ones in the last couple of days. One about fourth down play that uh, somebody wants to talk about. You don't have to be doing the most detailed analytics and we do end up doing a lot of those with pff people and other analysts who have some great new thing they'd like to show us and we love to do those but we also love to do any kind of topic you're passionate about if you think you know some particular player or coach would be a better fit for this offense you you tell us and uh, and i'll have the discussion with you but think of me as a as a radio call-in show for for this kind of content i'm happy to discuss it with you with any passionate fan who's uh, uh wants to have an adult conversation about it Sigmund, thanks again for joining us. Oh, my great pleasure. I always look forward to it. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.